everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilman. On this episode, loving God and others and teaching our children to do the same. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. When my husband and I had only been married a few years, we started a women's Bible study at our church, and we were going through this book about basically how to be a good wife. And for me, every chapter was a new thing to work on. And so the first one, I was like, okay, these are good thoughts. These are things that I need to work on. I can do this. And so I worked on those things throughout the week. And then I met with the ladies at the end of the week. And then we started the next chapter. And I'm like, oh, I need to work on this too. Okay, well. I'll try to do that. And so I tried to do that and then keep up with the first thing and then met with the ladies the next week. And then the third week, I'm like, I apparently am not a good wife. I have, I'm not doing any of these things, (laughs) or at least I'm not doing them well, not according to this lady anyway. And so I began to get really discouraged. One of the ladies asked, you know, what do you think of this book? And I said, well, I think that it makes me feel like a horrible wife. I'm not doing a good job. I'm not doing a good job at any of these things. And not only that, but I don't even have time to work on them because then I just get a new thing. And the new thing is like, yeah, you need to work on that too. And then now I'm just overwhelmed. That's how I felt. And I think that a lot of times we can feel like that with the Bible. We can look at this book that God gave us as just a list of laws and rules that we have to follow that we probably aren't following all that well. And every time we hear a new one, we think, oh, I need to work on that too. Oh, I need to work on that too. Well, apparently I'm just not very good at obeying God or following his commands or being a Christian, right? We just start to feel like, I'm not good at this. And then you're overwhelmed. And that is not what God meant by giving us this, these laws. And it's not what his book is all about. And since we just finished going over all of the Ten Commandments, I realized that some of y'all might be feeling that. Some of you might be thinking, okay, there were Ten Commandments that we just went over, 11 different podcasts, and I need to work on all of these things, or at least a lot of them. And these aren't even all the laws. God has other instructions in this book. And I have over five of these that I have to work on and then add the others to the list. And you might be feeling overwhelmed. And I did not want to leave this study with you feeling like that. I wanted you to know the purpose of these rules. And so the first part of this lesson, 
I'm going to read you Moses' encouragement to the people after he read all of these laws to them. And then I'm going to tell you what Jesus says about the laws and what God's true purpose is in giving them to us. And so this should be a great encouragement to you, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed by all of the things that God wants from you. So let's go ahead and begin in Deuteronomy 5. I'm not going to read all of the verses, but I'll give you a summary that after Moses finished giving these laws to the second generation of Israelites, he reminded them that they were first given to their fathers, not by him, but by God himself. God himself spoke these laws to their fathers from the top of Mount Sinai, from the glory cloud. You know, God's glory shines. And so it looked as if the mountain was on fire and God was speaking through the fire in a thunderous, loud, authoritative voice. And when God finished giving these commands to the Israelites, they realized his awesome power. And they also realized how insignificant they were. They felt like I did whenever I got finished reading 10 chapters of this woman's uh, instructions to me as a wife. They were like, we're unworthy. We are completely, you know, messing this whole thing up. We're not good people. And we do not deserve to be in the presence of God. As a matter of fact, if we stay in his holy presence for very long, the the fire might come down from this mountain and just consume us altogether. And so they were afraid of God. They realized how powerful he was and how little power that they had and how insignificant they were and how significant he was. And they went to Moses and they said, hey, we'll do whatever God says, but we don't want to hear his voice anymore. He's scary. And so we need you to go on the mountain, talk to him by yourself, and then just come back down and tell us what he says. And we'll do whatever he says. So I want to read you what God said to Moses after he heard the people. This is Deuteronomy 5.28. God says, I've heard the words of this people, which they've spoken to you. They are right in all that they've spoken. But oh, that they would have such a heart as this always to fear me and keep my commandments, that it might go well with them and their descendants forever. And so Moses is telling them how their fathers felt at the time that God gave them the Ten Commandments and saying, God wished that your fathers would have this heart in them always, that your fathers would never, ever forget how they felt that day when they heard God's booming authoritative voice giving these Ten Commandments from a fiery cloud. Because if they remembered that feeling forever, then they would obey him forever. But that didn't happen with their fathers. As a matter of fact, their fathers started to go to the land and they got scared. They didn't trust God. And they weren't relying on his word to them. They had forgotten to be more afraid of him than they were of the giants that were living in this land. And so Moses is telling that his children, before they go into the land, hey, get in your mind. You didn't have God coming from this mountain telling you these uh, commandments. I'm reciting them to you. But... That's because your fathers couldn't handle it. But I need you to know what it was like that day. And I want you to fear him. 
I want you to feel that feeling and then never, ever lose it. Because if you feel fear towards him and you know of his awesome power and his significance over you, then you will obey him. And if you do that, then everything's going to be great in this new land that you go to. God's going to bless you and you're going to get to live there for a long, long time. Then he went on. This is Deuteronomy 5.32. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. In verse 33, and he says, So you shall walk in all the ways that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may go well with you, and that you may live in the land that you possess for a long time. And then beginning in chapter 6. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land that you're going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments that I command you all the days of your life, so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you might multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised to you in the land flowing with milk and honey. And so Moses is telling them, you're going to have to be diligent to follow these laws. But if you will stay on the straight path that God has for you and not turn to the right or to the left, then you will be blessed in this new land. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. This is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether evil or good. This is the whole duty of man to fear God and obey him. Those are the wise words of Solomon. Now back to Moses. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, obviously I'm speaking English and I don't know how to speak Hebrew, so I'm sounding out all of these words in Hebrew, but it's important for me to tell you that the Hebrew word for hear which is how God starts this, uh, how Moses starts this verse. Hear, O Israel. This word is Shema. And it's given in the imperative tense. And so it is saying it is imperative that you hear what I'm about to say to you. This is very, very important. Listen up. And then he says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Remember what the very first commandment is. There are no other gods before me, right? So Moses tells them the very first commandment again. He's just reiterated all the commandments. And then he says, hey, listen, there's only one God. And he's telling them this because he knows that they're about to enter a new land with different people who worship different gods. And he doesn't want them to be persuaded to worship these other gods because that will be breaking the first and second commandment. And all the others hinge on this. If you break the first two, you're kind of in trouble. And so all of these other nations, they worship multiple gods. 
gods. They have a sun god and a fertility god and a rain god and all these different gods that they pray to every time that they want something. And Moses is saying, there's only one God. If you need anything, you pray to him. He can do all the things. He is the power over all the things. He created all the things and he's in charge of all the things. So he's like, listen to this. There's only one God. He's the only one that's capable of taking care of you. He's the only one that's going to be able to provide for you in this new land. Don't forget that. And then the next thing he says is wonderful. He says, so love him. Love him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Love him with everything you have because he's the one that's going to be taking care of you when you get there. This is imperative. This is what is going to set them apart from all the other nations. Their God, their one true God, that is what makes them different. If they go in and they worship all of the gods that the other people worship, or even if they just have multiple gods that are different from the other people, they're still no different than them because they're worshiping multiple gods. He says, you know the secret. You are the chosen nation. They don't understand. They somehow got off track. They think there's multiple gods, but there's not. And so you will be distinguished among all the other people by your God. You'll be known by him. And so basically he's worthy of all of your obedience. And when you love him with everything you have, then you'll obey him because you'll know how significant he is. That's what their fathers saw there on that mountain that day, how significant and powerful he was. I want to read you a little bit of what the psalmist says in Psalm 89 about God. This tells you who God is and it will make you love him. Psalm 89, 5 through 18. The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord, your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you steal them. You've broken Rahab in pieces as one who is slain. You've scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth is also yours. The world in all its fullness, you founded them. The north and the south, you created them. Tabor and Hermon rejoice in your name. You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, and high is your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long, and in your righteousness they are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, and in your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, and our King 
to a holy one of Israel. I wish I could go through that line by line and just, you know, talk about it further. But if I do that, this podcast will last forever. So I hope you absorb that. If not, go back and read Psalm 89 for yourselves. Now, this is Psalm 86, 8 through 13. There's none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you've made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. You've delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. When you hear how much God loves you and all the things that he's done for you, it makes you love him. 1 Timothy 1.17 To the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He's basically saying, I honor and glorify you because you are all these things. Because you alone are wise, because you're eternal and invisible and my king. God is worthy of our love and obedience. He loves us more than anyone. He's more powerful than anyone. He can do anything that we need. And he's the wisest of all. So what Moses is asking of them here, God is worthy of that. Okay, so Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. Moses continues and says, These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. He's saying, internalize these words. Make them a part of your everyday life and then teach them to your children so that they too can obey those words and then they too can live in the land for a long time. Talk about him all the time. Talk about him when you get up and when you lay down. All day long in everything you do. Talk about him. Act like him. Teach his ways to your children. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So he says, just like children imitate their parents, you imitate God. And if we imitate God to our children and then they imitate us, then they are imitating God. So we're teaching them to be like God by doing the things that God asks us to do. We should be so close to him that we reflect him to our children and to others. Moses continues, Deuteronomy 6, 8 to 9. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's stressing how important it is for them to remember his words. And the Jews took this very literally, this putting it on their hands and between their eyes. One of the reasons that they did that is because of what it says in Numbers 15 about how they're supposed to put tassels on the corners of their garments. And when they look at these tassels, it's supposed to remind them 
of God and why they're wearing those and keep them faithful to him. And so they knew that those things were an outward sign. And so they took this literally that they were supposed to put these words on their hands and uh, between their eyes. And so they made these boxes and then they put scriptures in them and then bound them to the wrists. They would also make containers that had scriptures on their doorposts and at their gates. So these are things that the Jews had and many Orthodox Jews still have today. And these boxes contain scriptures and one of the scriptures is called the Shema, which is the start of this verse, right? It is imperative that you hear this. And then Moses is saying, remember this. So they write down these verses, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and put it in this box. And then they also have Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 21, and this passage in Numbers 15, 37 to 41. In these phylacteries and mezuzahs, and they would read these every morning and every night to remind them to keep these verses in front of their eyes. So they bind them on their hands and keep them in front of their eyes by reading them every single morning and every single night so they don't forget them. Now, most Christians today, we interpret these images as just a lesson that we are to keep his words with us. So whenever we do what it is that God asks for us to do, then they're on our hands, they're in our actions, and that we're supposed to keep them in front of our eyes and in our minds. Between our eyes is right there in our minds, right? And so keep them in front of our eyes, keep them in our minds, and let them be in our actions. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 3, 1 through 8. My son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For a length of days and long life and peace, it will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So we're not supposed to go our own way. We're supposed to follow God's laws. It will be beneficial to us. That's what this verse is saying. We should be a people that are identified as belonging to God. Listen to what it says in Joshua twenty four fifteen. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what we all need to be able to say. And then Psalm 119 is all about God's word. And I'm just going to read you. It's the longest chapter of the whole Bible. But, um, so I'm not going to read it to you, all of it, but I'm going to pick out a couple of verses. So Psalm 119.10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word is not stored in the Ark of the Covenant. It is stored in our hearts. That's how we don't sin against him. If we remember it, 
and we love him enough to follow it. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the ways of your testimonies, I delight as much as in riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. This is about your mind and your eyes. I will delight in your statutes and I won't forget your words. And then verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I might keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. 35, lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Again, your eyes. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. And then verse 140, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. This is how we're supposed to feel about God's word, about his commandments, about his book. It's not a book of laws that overwhelm us, that make us feel like a failure. It's a book that we're supposed to love. It's a book that's supposed to compel us to love the Lord. Proverbs 7, 1 through 3. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. Not on a tablet that sits in the Ark of the Covenant, way distant from you. Don't even think about it. It's hidden. No, write them on the tablet of your heart that you might not sin against him. Hebrews 8.10 For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And so the message of Moses was, don't forget that God is the only God. Love him, follow him, and teach your children to follow him. Now, 1,500 years after Moses had given these laws to the people, Jesus walked this earth. By this time, there were some people that followed God's laws well, a lot of people that did not follow them well, and then a group of people that followed them so strictly that they missed the whole point. Not only did they follow God's laws, but they had laws of their own that helped them follow God's laws. And one of these men came up to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? He's trying to test Jesus. And this is Mark 12, 29 through 34. And Jesus says, the most important law is, listen and see if this sounds familiar. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Sound familiar? He said the most important law is not one of those ten commandments, but it's what Moses said after that, the thing that he said is imperative 
that they hear. There's only one God, and you need to love him with everything you have. That's the greatest commandment. And then Jesus goes on. He gives them a little bonus. He says, you didn't ask me what the second most important was, but I'm going to tell you. This is verse 31. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one and that there's none besides him. To love him with all your heart and all your understanding and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. These are much more important than all the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And when Jesus heard that he answered wisely, he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Afterward, no one dared ask him any questions. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, love. Love is the most important commandment. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself, and you will fulfill all of the commandments. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, all the Ten Commandments hang on these two commandments. That means that all of them can be summarized by just saying, love God and love your neighbor. There's no longer ten, there's two. But if you follow those two, then you will follow all ten. Think about it. If you love God, then you will not betray him. You will not serve any other gods. You will not be unfaithful to him. And you will fear his name, respect it. You will know of his power and his significance. And you will set one day aside for him. Those are the first four commandments. Have no other gods before me. Make no carved images. Don't take my name in vain. Obey my Sabbaths. If you love God, you'll do those four things. So the first four commandments can be summed up by saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then if you love others, you'll obey the last six, right? Listen to what it says in Luke 6, 31. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. So if you were the parent, if you're in charge of someone, do you want them to listen to you, respect you, do what you say? Then do that to your parents. Do you want your spouse to be faithful to you? Be faithful to them. Do you want people to respect your property? not damage it, not take it from you. Okay, then don't steal other people's stuff. Respect it. If you want something, go work for it. Don't take something that's not yours. Do you want other people to lie about you, damage your reputation, or get you into trouble with their lies? Of course not. So don't do that to other people. Don't lie about them. When you have something good and you're excited about it, do you want your friends and your family to be excited for you and not be jealous and wish you didn't have it and wish that they had it instead? Okay, then don't do that to other people. Don't covet their things. If you care about other people as much as you care about yourself, then you'll treat them right. So this just comes natural. Listen to what it says in 1 John 4, 7 to 11. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Anybody who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God is love. He showed us that love by sending Jesus so that we could live through him. And Jesus showed us this love by dying for us. If God loved us enough to sacrifice his own son for us, then the least we can do is just be nice to other people, for goodness sakes. He can die for us and all he wants us to do is just be nice to other people, just treat them like you want them to treat you. It's not that hard. So that is the sum of the Ten Commandments. Jesus was trying to tell us, you don't have to follow ten laws. You just have to follow two. Love God, love your neighbor, and then you'll follow the rest. These laws were explaining to us how to love God and how to love other people. They weren't meant to be burdensome. They weren't meant to be ritualistic. They weren't meant to be rigid. They weren't meant to be restrictive. They were meant to teach us how to love. If we do it for all those other reasons and love isn't involved, then that doesn't make us good people. That doesn't satisfy the law of God. Think about it. If you honor your parents, if you're faithful to your spouse, if you aren't violent, if you're truthful, you respect other people's property, but you still hate all these people, you're just nice to them because you're supposed to, (laughs) what good is that? You're not a good person. That's not a nice person. If you go to church on Sunday and you don't take God's name in vain and you don't follow the dictates of other religions, but you're apathetic towards God or you resent him for taking all your fun away, or maybe even you hate him because you see him as an angry dictator, but, you know, you don't want to be punished, so you do what he says. That's not the kind of relationship that God wants with us. He gave us the commands so that he could teach us how to have a relationship with him. Love is about a relationship. It's not about a list of rules. And also, if we really are doing it because we want to please God, but we're focused on doing all the right things, checking them off the list so that we can say, I didn't do any of the wrong things and I did do all of the good things, then guess what? You're really focused on yourself. You're not focused on God. You're sitting there thinking, did I do all the stuff I'm supposed to do? I didn't do any of the things I wasn't supposed to do, did I? Ah, ah, ah. You're not focused on God. You're not focused on other people. You're trying to figure out, am I a good person? Did I do what I was supposed to do? That's self-righteousness. You might look like a good person, but it's all about you. God doesn't want that either. So don't check it off of your list. Instead of focusing on all the rules, did I keep all of the rules today? Am I a failure or am I righteous? Think about instead, did I act like I loved God today? Did I treat others with love today? That's what God wants us to do. Because if we truly 
truly love other people, then we'll be faithful to them. We'll be kind to them. We'll respect them and their things. We won't hurt them. We won't lie about them. We'll be excited for them and proud for them. If we love other people, we'll just automatically do those other things so we don't have to think about those things. Jesus knew that it was too much for us. He's like, stop focusing on those rules. Stop focusing on yourself. Instead, focus on loving God, loving your neighbor, and then you will do those things automatically. If we love God, then we do put him first. We do respect his name. We do know how powerful and significant he is, and we praise him for it. We want to spend time with him. We're excited for the day off so that we can spend time with him. That's what love does. So don't focus on keeping all the laws. Focus on loving God. Now, you may have listened to that last part and thought, that's a tall order. That's overwhelming. How do I get to that place where I want to read the Bible and I want to go to church? And I truly do love God. Maybe you're not at that place right now. That's okay. Don't be where it's like, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do this, but it feels like a burden. God says he doesn't want that from us either. And so one of the reasons that I am so serious about teaching the Bible is because of something that I heard a long time ago whenever I began teaching Awana's. Awana's motto is, the more that you know God, the more that you love him. And the more that you love him, the more you will want to serve him. And that stood true with me. And I realized most of us are focused on the serving part. We're like, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do these things. And then we think, that's too hard. That's a lot. Or We do do the things, but we're self-righteous. We're not focused on God. Or maybe we're like, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to love God. I don't know. How do I get that feeling? Right? And so if you do it in that proper order, know, then love, then serve, it works out so perfectly. So if you don't feel that love towards God, and instead you're thinking, it is a list of rules. Because I'm not doing it for the right reasons, but I don't even know how to feel that. Like, I don't know how to want to go to church or want to read my Bible, want to pray to him or sing songs to him or praise him or talk about him when I stand up and when I lie down, right? Then start with learning about him. Instead of just picking your Bible up and reading it because you're supposed to read it, Pick it up and learn about him. Find Jesus' words, the red letters, and learn about him. Learn about his character. Listen to these podcasts where I'm telling you all of the characteristics of God. Take that those verses in Psalm that tell you all of the power that God has and the love that he has. That's why I read you the verses that I read you today. And I didn't just read you the verses in Deuteronomy. I read you the Psalms and the Proverbs. And I read you Ephesians and 1 John. 
all the places where it tells how much God loves us, how powerful he is, how good he is, how he created all of the earth. When you hear these things, it makes you love him. It makes you love him. So if you don't love him and you're not following these laws, don't think, oh, I'm a horrible person. I don't love God. Think, I need to know more about this man because I guarantee you, if you know about him, you will love him. You might have to start with Jesus's red letters so that you can see the character of God, so that you can see the things that he does and the things that he says. But then also go back if you haven't already and listen to the podcast that we've been going through in the Old Testament because this also shows the character of God and it shows how he works in other people's lives. And then you can say, okay, I know the things that Jesus said, and I know the things that God was doing for the Israelites, and I see how he created the earth, and I see how he sent Jesus and he loves me, and then you will love him. And then you will want to read more about him. You'll want to go to church. You'll want to spend time with other people that know him. You'll want to sing praises to him. You'll want to pray to him. You'll want to listen to him. You'll want to follow. And then, then, whenever you truly feel love towards him, then his laws are not a burden anymore because then you will want to serve him. So don't let these 10 commandments make you feel discouraged. Instead, focus on loving God. Don't focus on the 10 things you have to do and can't do. Focus on learning to love God and learning to love other people. Take the focus off of yourself. Take the focus off of the rules. And instead, focus on God, focus on others, focus on knowing Him and loving Him. That's so much easier. So much easier. And then you can be proud of yourself instead of feeling discouraged because you can say, I know more about God today. I love God more today. I wanted to serve him today. I'm following the commandments because his Holy Spirit lives in me and it is producing all of the things that I need in order to follow him. That's the fruits of the spirit, the produce of his spirit in us. It compels us to follow his commands. So I hope that that was encouraging to you today. It's easier for me. I can be legalistic. I can look at all of the laws and I can think, oh, I got to work on this. I got to work on this. I got to work on this. That is not what God wants. But if I can focus on loving God, And I can remind myself of why I love him, of all the great things that he does for me that no one else can do for me. Then I do love him. And I don't want to disappoint the people that I love. And I want to please them. And I trust them. And so I'm going to do what they say. That makes it easier for me. So I hope it does for you too. Now, on the next podcast, I am not going to be doing Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to skip all the way forward to Deuteronomy 31. The reason for that is because Deuteronomy 6 all the way through 30 is more instruction to the Israelites. It's just more encouragement for them to follow the law 
to love God, to fear him, and all of those things. And I want to continue with the narrative. And so I'm not going to teach these chapters on the podcast, but if you want to go over these chapters with me, then there's another opportunity for you to do that. I've opened a Substack, and there on the Substack, you can see all of the blog posts that I've done for all of these lessons that I've been teaching so far. But if you subscribe to the paid subscription, then you will receive all of these lessons. I think there's 23 of them, somewhere between 20 and 25 lessons that you will get for your monthly subscription of $6 or a yearly subscription of $60. These are the full lessons that I've written with all of the scriptures on them. And so you can take these lessons and you can read them over yourself and you can look up the scriptures and you can study at home by yourself or you can take these lessons to your church or your women's group or a group of friends and you can study them together and you can do them as a Bible study for yourselves. Hopefully you will subscribe to the $6 and you'll stick with that, but you don't have to. You can get your $6 worth and you can get all 23 lessons for $6. You can cancel your subscription on Substack at any time. But I hope that you don't. Because beginning with the next podcast, I will start also publishing each one of these lessons there on that Substack. And so you can listen to my teaching on podcast and you can also get the written lesson if you continue with your six-month subscription. And you can have these to do the same thing with, to study by yourself or to study with a group. And so no, they're not going to be free like these podcasts have been. But if you were to buy a Bible study, it would cost you at least $6. It might take me two months to get all of the lessons out. So maybe $12. You will get 23 lessons for $12. If you were to go to the store and buy a Bible study, you would it would cost you that. And then if you were to get a year's worth of Bible studies, you'd probably spend $60. And so hopefully you decide to join me there on my Substack. It's substack.com slash live through Jesus. I'll put that link in this description of this podcast so you can click on it directly there. So I hope you decide to join me there. But if you don't, it's okay because you can still get the free podcast every, hopefully week. I'm going to try really hard to start doing it weekly once I start on this chapter 31. But You'll just miss out on those 23 lessons and those several chapters between 6 and 30. That's it's not a problem. You can continue listening every every week for free and there's no obligation there. If that's what you want to do, perfectly fine. I'm just thankful that you're studying the Bible with me. However you want to do it, you can read blog posts, you can listen to podcasts, and you can get the written lessons. Or you can just do one of the three. I just want you to know God more, love him more, and serve him more. That's the goal. Now, one more thing. If you don't already get the newsletter, 
I do send out a newsletter every time I publish a podcast and write a blog post. And everything is condensed there in that one part. So you don't have to look for anything. You will see the new blog post. All of it pertains to itself. And so the lesson that's taught and then the podcast that goes with that. And then I might add a little personal anecdote or something of that nature to the newsletter. So if you haven't done that, go to livethroughjesus.com. You can type your email in and I'll send that to you every time new material comes out and it'll all be in one place. You can also just go anytime to livethroughjesus.com. You can find everything there except for these lessons. If you want these lessons, you have to go to substack.com slash livethroughjesus and subscribe to the paid podcast and then you can get those there. So anyway, lots of options for learning more about God with me. So choose whatever it is that you want to do, and then I will see y'all back next time. Thanks, and have a good day.